do 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 bug hunters do 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 bug hunters do 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 hey chris what's happening nothing dude we did find a bug though didn't we we That's found cool. a bug you mostly me kind of but no mostly you well, I guess I, I don't even know all the details yet, but I could, I could, I can, I can mouth blog it, I guess, for us. Is that well? Part of my mind is I thought all this new color stuff was landing pretty much all across all browsers. But when I say new color stuff, what do I mean? Oh man, there's so many different things. There's all the like color functions, and there's relative color syntax, and there's color mix, and there's color contrast, and Man, so not to drag us too far into color town again, we've done it a bunch of times, but I do find it all fascinating. One of my ideas was like, let's say you got a brand color and you needed to apply some opacity to it. Okay, well, how did you pick that brand color? How does it exist right now? And I will tell you, if your brand color is like bright orange and you picked the brightest orange you could in sRGB, Mm-hmm. You, you may want to reevaluate that, you know, because your <laughs> bright orange isn't probably going to be as bright as it could be picking a new color space. Yeah. Yeah. And color model. So, okay, great. Now, let's say you've changed it in a, in a way to work in the future. We talked about last week, like, will your website start to look a little drab? If, if you don't do this and my conclusion is like, maybe probably, so anyway, l- let's say you do that. Now you're in like you've defined the color in lab or OKCLH or something. Mm-hmm. You, one way you could do it is to have one CSS custom property that is like the LC and H values. And you can just use that. And one of them, you know, and then one of them you like define them separately. So if you want to use those individually and then apply alpha to it, you can. I'm just trying to think like, how do you like define a color that's really easy to use and have it be ready to have alpha transparency applied to it if you need there to be? Like that seems pretty normal thing to need. Need normal thing to need. And we've done weird stuff in the past, right? Like we, you know, like you're saying, there's the like var dash dash. L var dash dash C var dash dash H, and then if yes, you want to mess with that, that's what we do on code pen, do the actually. Alpha. Okay, and it's just a little heavy on the amount of custom properties you need to have. It hurts. So right? It ends up being like five per color because so, you have like you have the H and the S, and the, let's say if you if you're old school and you're doing HSL, you have the H, the S, and the L. Then you have all three of them combined for the actual color, and then you have one that's like the alpha ready one yeah that you're like you're going to use the hs and the l but you're only going to i don't know i'm screwing up mouth blogging alpha alpha one or whatever yeah and then we did that thing where i made a canvas thing and only worked in one browser and then we did the thing where and then it was like oh there's new color stuff coming up like a and that's kind of where we're at we're here now i guess yeah yeah so let's, you know, before we get too complicated with it, let's just say that you, you're still a hex code. Your brand color is still a hex code. Red. But you want Tomato a 50% red. opacity of it. I think there is a, isn't there, an, there's like an eight digit hex code thing. So I think mm-hmm. you can plunk on an opacity on the end oh, of it. Oh, yeah. FF 
AA or oh, whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah, right. It, the problem is that's very hard to remember what the last two digits represent as a as a percentage between one and a hundred. So I just I just don't see it happening. People doing that. What they want to do is just be like, I want this hex code, but I want it at eighty two percent opacity. That's all I want in the world. Mm-hmm. Why is this so freaking hard? Yeah. Well, fortunately, there is some new answers in the color syntax, and one of them is the from relative color syntax, which I just think is awesome. So you could just say like, okay, LCH parentheses, and then say from that hex code, and then write LCH slash, and then just put 50% at the end, like the new syntax. So you're just saying like, I'm going to kind of destructure this color. Mm -hmm. But in my case, I don't even want to alter it. I just want to apply some opacity at the end. That's great. Unfortunately, that's not very widely supported. I thought it was, and it just isn't. That one is not dropped. They call that the relative color syntax, and that is just not available really yet. That part and the color contrast, I think, are the only two not fully out yet, right? Bummer, because I really liked that one. There is some good news, though, in that there's one called color mix, which I feel like I'm just not that excited about generally because I don't feel uh, like the yeah. need to mix colors all that much. When I do that, my designers get mad. I don't know why I mixed <laughs> our two brand colors, green and red, and it came out kind of a green, super brown. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so why are you mad? Silly brown. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It could just be me. I'm not trying to like yuck anybody's yum on a, on a color feature. Maybe it's great, but it does have one like obviously great feature that we can use right now, which is you can mix the color with transparency and then it becomes transparent. So you don't need the relative syntax to do just exactly the thing I'm describing. You got some brand color. It's even an old school hex or whatever. You can mix that with, with transparency, you know, of whatever percentage and it comes out that level of transparent. That's super useful. Yeah. So here's, we're playing with it yesterday in discord, right? And, and one of the things that you can do in color mix is say which color model to do the color mixing in. Now that's been that's been a big deal. It's like you can tell what if you're doing a gradient, you can tell it what color model to use. If you're doing all kinds of stuff, like saying the model is part of the story. As we were playing with it, you'd think though that despite the model, just making a color more transparent like that the model doesn't matter at least in my mind why would it yeah because it's a color right it's a i I don't know yeah if i it's like you're in photoshop and there's the little or any other app there's an opacity slider and you just pull it down like that's how i think it should work but that's how i think it should work and i i we're in this pending spot where well you know spoiler alert that's totally not how it works i made a (laughs) bunch of color swatches in different color models and they're all different how they come out. You had like code pen orange, right? And then, uh, or not code pen, CSS tricks I used orange. Fog kinda. dog, which is my favorite go to hex uh, color. Fog dog. FO6 DO6. Yeah, is okay. orange. And then, and then just made it 50% transparent, but did it with color mix and did it in sRGB and OKLCH and HSL. So, can I mouth blog it here? So yeah, it's do like it. Background color mix parenthesis in sRGB, comma, fog dog comma transparent 50 percent and then the next one is the same color mix in OKLCH, fog dog 
uh, transparent 50%. Color yep. mix, NL, HSL, fog dog, transparent, 50%. And you would expect those to all be I the, would, the same. same. Yeah. Because we, we're just sliding the opacity down, right? Right. And it had me, it, it, right. So in sRGB, it, it does what you would think it does. It looks like the same orange, just transparent. But in OKLCH, it goes to like pink town. Mm-hmm. And in HSL, it goes to like Red Town. Yeah. And you're like, what the heck? So part of it that makes me feel forgiving about this is that you remember when we used to mess with gradients, if you just said, do a gradient from red to transparent, it would like, mm-hmm. be, it would be weird sometimes. And the, mm-hmm. the trick to fixing it was go from red to red transparent zero. Like, be specific about what yeah, yeah. kind of transparent zero you were going to. Because otherwise, it would assume, like, black transparent zero or white transparent zero or something, and the results could get weird. So, somehow, I was forgiving about th- that. So, and I think that's what's going on here, too, is that transparent 50% isn't equal in the, in the spaces. Mm-hmm. So, this is either not a bug, although we are, then we, the discussion on Discord already this morning was, uh, I think it is actually a bug. <laughs> this is a bug. Look at us finding bugs and crawl. Well, that took a lot of minutes of this podcast to get to, but, but color mix may or may not have a bug in it when it comes to mixing transparent colors, which I personally think is the most important thing it can do. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, yeah, it's weird. Cause it's like, you know, it gets me into an existential mood. Like, Hey, can you mix that color with transparent? And I'm like, Oh my God, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Can I mix a color with the absence of color? Whoa, man. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's uh, some Cheech and Chong stuff. (laughs) And I'm feeling a little existentially weird too, about how much I liked OKLCH for a, for a while. And like, it's not that I, dislike it now it's not like i'm like that meme where it's like nah we're breaking up not best friends anymore <laughs> and Asim, nope, no longer yeah. best friends, yeah. <laughs> i had to do that with chilies recently man I feel oh, like it's really, really gone downhill me and me and outback are now best friends oh good good um uh it's weird in ways that l c h right mm-hmm. lightness chroma hue that such a big deal is made of lightness and how it's perceptually uniform, which mm-hmm. to me does seem like a big advantage. Is that yeah. if you then change the hue, but you have the same lightness, you're kind of guaranteed that it will feel like the same lightness. The problem is, especially this is especially apparent when you look at the visualization of the model, most colors have a very limited lightness they can be. It's mm-hmm. very, very easy to construct a color with an L value that's wrong, that will render as white nothing because yeah. that lightness doesn't exist in that chroma and hue. There, it, it, and despite it being presented as a percentage, it's you cannot go down to zero and up to 100. That's not the chances of you hitting a miss there is very high. Yeah, the dream, right, is like a design system where I have my twenty-two purples, my twenty or my ten purples, my ten pinks, my ten blues, my ten greens. Yeah. And I'm just iterating across hue and um lightness. But but when you look at that OKLCH site we talk about a lot, um yeah. 
it's it's a wave, you know, and so like the the it's different. Right. You're going to end up with a lot of whites or a lot of blacks or you know because it's not it's not a uniform space. So no, and that that can be good, I think. Like if that's what makes helps can makes the gradients better and stuff. Although doesn't that mess with your brain too? Is that we're taught and that it's explained that the to make a gradient, it's a beeline. It just goes straight from mm-hmm. one point to another point. Well, I can't in this model because you could go through a valley of nothing and it clearly won't, it won't just show nothing in the middle of the gradient. So that line is curved how it does it. It's just uh, it's such a mind screw. But that, I mean, that's why HSL was so nice is that it the lightness really does go from zero to 100. So I guess here's me saying, I wish there was like an OKLCH that like somehow preserved all of its uniform brightness stuff, but that the lightness really was from zero to 100. How about this? Yeah. Okay, HSL. And it has... <laughs> <laughs> okay, HSL. That's and it, instead of 360 as the hue it goes to like 9000 you know and it's just like yeah like so good Ooh, no 9000 yeah or, that makes sense or a chroma i like the chroma so uh, i punched up the colors on my website inspired by last week's episode oh, I, did, nice. I said i want to punch up my color so i had like a little red accent color you know mm-hmm. and i was like nope i want it pinker i want it like pow, pop you pink right yeah, accent. I see you've got OKLCH. You use yeah dash dash accent. So I put it in OKLCH. But one weird thing that Dave yeah. ran into is uh, when I went to dark mode, that pink mm-hmm. looked kind of ruddy. It started looking kind of brown, and so. Ooh. Because of the colors it, around it or because light? Because of the colors dark. around it. Yeah, it was okay, like an yeah. optical thing. So I had to actually punch in a different dark mode color for accent just because oh, it was like a little, like it it wasn't giving me the hot pink effect I was looking for. And so I had to kind of punch in a different color. So, huh, huh. yeah. And then I'm going to give you another pro tip. Art yeah. and, uh, and Raycast are cool because you can just go Command T and Arc and say Dark Mode and go to Dark get a Dark Mode on that page, or you can what? go. Uh, can you seriously? Yep, yep. And then or in Raycast you can do Toggle System Press Inferences and do Toggle System Appearance or whatever, and you get that if you just start typing Dark Mode. So anyway, those are my two tips, two hot tips. Six. Oh, that's funny. Picks. Then if you do Command T again to get out of it. And you don't type dark mode, and you have to type light mode. Yeah, yeah, that that messed a, me up for a bit. Me. I got stuck yeah. for about half an hour. But it's fine. I see you didn't use. Um, this is interesting. It's actually I prefer your technique if it works here. You did a fallback for your OKLCH value, but you didn't do it as like a, a media query, a, I a had, supports query. You I just had like, the supports query in there, but then I was like, why? Uh, <laughs> like you know, like fallbacks are. Basically support queries, right? I know, but the way so, you do the fallback is you have, you just like do the you did the variable twice. Yeah. One before and one after. But like the very it's the how it messes with my brain why that works. Cause you'd think no matter what, like oh the okay LCH value doesn't fail when it's a custom property. Like it'll it's just a string, right? Yeah. And, I mean maybe I need to pull this up and like a 10 year old Firefox or something or, or yeah, regular maybe. Firefox to make sure this it could work. work break, I'm just like, how does that um, work? Let me um, try it. Anyway, I, I break Firefox regularly. I apologize. Firefox uh, users. Uh, it's not that I don't care. It's just, I'm, I don't care. So <laughs> I'm trying to care. No, it works. It works fine. I think, um, 
So good. Um, yeah, that's a better way to do it then. There's something explicit about the media query, but it's funny how, how, you know, I remember being so excited about supports queries in CSS only to be like, you usually don't need one. You need supports, not which what didn't exist in IE, which was like the only place you needed. So yeah, that was the big one. So I still have some support somewhere, but like object fit was one I use supports a bit, but Supports grid was kind of a big one, but um, mm-hmm. just because you have so many other pylon properties that go with it, yeah, but. yeah, it's it's just kind of dependent on what your plan was for for a fallback. You know, if your plan was like do nothing, then well, obviously you didn't need it. Uh, you can do, can't you do like at media color like and test a property? You can test properties, right? So. I can be like at media. You mean values? I think. Yeah. Like, can't you like say like, if like color is okay, LCH and that passes, um, I'm going to, yes. I'm, I forget what the syntax is. You might is. not even have to do that much. I think you can, you can wrap it, wrap it in a value function or something. Ooh, don't quote me on that. But there, yeah, it has gotten better over time. Is the point? Yeah, you can test more stuff than you were able to before. Like, even selector is a function. Like, you can type selector, and then that's a function, and put the selector in that, which you did definitely did not used to be able to do before. Yeah, like selector testing is pretty freaking cool, actually. Yeah, so that's. I mean, that's like my thing. Um, I have another cool one that I want. I, I think we should make a video on. But um, mm. so Edge dropped some new features um, yeah. in their dev tools. Um, this is they did. all on the all on the world of of colors, right? Um, okay. So if you open up whatever DaveRupert.com or ShopTalkShow.com, and then you open up Web Inspector, right, and then uh-huh. you go to the uh, you click the little uh, iPads. Um, <laughs> To get the emulator, right? Um, like the device emulator. You're right. in the device emulator. So up in the top, there is a there's now a like your dimensions, like what device mode you want to do, uh sizing, text size, zoom sizing, you know, uh, which is kind of cool to like test that out. Uh or just make it big. But then they have throttling in there, which is cool. But then they have a eyedropper and you can do forced colors active right and this is basically like high contrast mode for uh windows um and so and you can do prefers color scheme dark or prefers color scheme light and you can sort of start testing high contrast mode without firing up high contrast mode which is a beast so um and so and you can test your dark mode right here with a little drop down. Yeah, that's in, nice in the browser. So that's pretty because cool. high contrast mode was for one thing it's Windows only, right? So you, you can do this on in Edge on your Mac. Yeah, in Edge or on your Mac. Or high contrast. Oh yeah, yeah, that's cool. So you can do it in Edge on your Mac. So you can kind of do force colors active, and then you're like basically my the backgrounds all disappear. Uh, my oh. buttons no longer look like buttons because I didn't put a transparent border around them. And so that's like a little trick you can do. Um, but your backgrounds disappear and like your your background colors all disappear. And so it's basically like hard mode for your website. Like, did you do stuff? <laughs> like, Does it actually still look like a website now or does it just look like a bunch of floating text? So that's sort of a trick. And then they have another drop eyeball menu. <laughs> and this is for emulating vision deficiency. And so uh-huh. you can do like... Protonopia uh, or 
Turanopia or Tritonopia or Achromatopsia, which is you don't see any color. It's like you have black and white vision. Um, Mm -hmm. Protonopia, I think, is like the most common red, blue color or red, green colorblind that's in like 10% of men. Uh, Blurred vision is interesting too. I actually knew a girl who had, who had double vision. So like her, like she just, everything was kind of blurred. Um, so anyway, that's something to think about. Like, you know, does your site, your IA like make sense with blurred vision? It's kind of like the old blur test, you know? Um, uh, but protonopia, deuteranopia, um, tritonopia is my favorite, uh, because it's just all these pinks and blues that are already on my site. It's, so I love it. So <laughs> that's kind of a nice thought, right? That you that you make a site that's more delightful for someone that has a particular like vision. I, what would you call it? Is this, this a defect yeah, or a a deficiency? Different whatever rods and cones in your, <laughs> you know, like different shaped rods and cones. That's basically it. You know, like uh, in the eyeball, they perceive color differently yeah i just it's always talked about as like let's make it so it's an acceptable experience for for people that have some kind of condition or whatever but it's never like the site's actually better for them yeah (laughs) yeah that's that's pretty rad well there's it's you know i was thinking too like um this is man we are just diving down we're another we're the color podcast apparently now uh yes (laughs) i do have other things written down the color talk show this is just cool because, like, I don't know, you can, like, kind of see where you're dropping the ball, you know. Um, but one thing that is very interesting to me is, like, you have, like, you know, red, green, and, and you know, maybe that's part of your brand colors if you work at an Italian pizza restaurant or something like that <laughs> and everything looks the same. I think what's cool is, like, stuff like Arc with Arc Boosts and stuff like that is, like, like, People can like hack in there and be like, cool, on this website, I don't want to see green. Anything that's green. And if you supplied CSS variables in your website, even better, right? Because now Dave Rupert, colorblind Dave Rupert, can go in and say, no, green is always yellow or whatever. Like some color I can see. Like we don't talk about that stuff enough in our like, like how CSS can like benefit people. Um, but I, I just like, mm. you know, if you have like good variables and your site is using these variables, like, and you've kind of come up with these reds and greens that all look the same, like a political map that goes from like red to green or something like that. Like that probably means nothing to somebody, you know, like, but so like they have now the power, they could probably put it in through an arc boost to put it in, uh, to make a website that works for them. So anyway, I, you should probably be doing like stuff beforehand. <laughs> you should be testing this stuff and making sure you're not, you know, picking obvious fails. But, um, but like, I like the idea that somebody could like do it themselves, you know, um, in, in yeah, your me website. Too. I'm attracted to that concept. Generally. Well, your website like supplies the right hooks for that, you know, like, I, I think that's a very interesting use case. Uh, and, I don't know. In the spirit of Global Accessibility Awareness Day, which is on May 18th, 18th after this show exactly. comes out, so yeah, that's this week. So yeah, indeed. 
Fantastic. So you can celebrate Global Accessibility Awareness Day by going to the website accessibility.day, I believe it is, and fixing your fucking website. It's like A11Y. <laughs> day, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Frontend Masters. That's frontendmasters.com. Their learning paths are super good, ain't they, Dave? Oh, man. They, like, they have everything. Like, whether you're starting from a certain level, like beginner to professional to expert, or like you want to like hit the computer science track or the full stack track or design to code track, lots of different tracks from like what skill you're trying to hit. But then, Boom, they got technology-specific tracks like JavaScript, CSS. Like, if you need, like, a skill buff in one area... That's what I would do. I'd be like, dude, I need to learn TypeScript now. I'm way behind on this. Take the TypeScript class. Oh, I need to get a job. Dude, (laughs) take the React class. (laughs) Take the React class. No, I mean, or, like, you know, I'm doing Vue. Like, I have a good understanding of Vue, but piecing it together over a bunch of blog posts isn't the best, (laughs) you know? So, like, watching Sarah Drasner's Vue course is super rad. Or, or node like just seeing somebody build something like an api or whatever helps my brain internalize that uh way more than just whatever piecing it together myself so right right and i kept calling them courses and classes and stuff but they're really learning paths and you might hop between different videos and stuff there's elective coursework and stuff these learning paths are really put together to bring you the best of whatever that topic is that really appeals to me i think is really quite cool and i think it can work for like you as an individual or like for your whole company like if you got you're trying to do a big skill buff in react your your company notice like hey we're not super great so like like Boom, get a whole skill buff for your whole entire team. Yeah, or in my case, we're switching over everything to TypeScript. Now, the, guess the who should level <laughs> up in it? Everybody, not just yeah, you. Yeah. you know? Well, and if you want to do it, in, are you doing it in the one month or the one year plan? You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. it helps to level up first, right? So bring your company to frontendmasters.com. We also have been playing a little bit with, the, well, there's the Page Transitions API, worth mentioning always, because it's really, really cool. The first iteration of it dropped, um, it's just Chrome only, you know? And I guess while, we're, while I say something like Chrome only, I should mention that there, there was some news this week that this thing called Baseline got dropped across Google properties like web.dev as well as MDN. So if you mm-hmm. visit a page, like, like you know, look at the CSS grid page in MDN, for example, way at the top, there's a green bar that is like a very chill browser support chart. And that doesn't replace the browser support chart on the bottom of MDN that has all kinds of stuff. Uh, it depends on the feature, but, you know, usually has a pretty deep browser compatibility chart. Baseline just says, like, does it basically work in the evergreen version of that browser? Which I know is a little a little controversial, like what is evergreen and what isn't is, you know, right. not as right. clear cut always. But I, get, I take the point, you know, generally browsers do auto update. And then it's just a you know bunch of check marks so that you know, and I I think it's pretty it's pretty clever. I have no 
certainly have no problem with it existing. I like that it's at the top. I think you mentioned that in the Discord. And I was like, yeah, Dave's right. That's the top is the place for this stuff sometimes. I am smart enough. Maybe this is the issue, but I'm smart enough to know it, it may have green check marks, but that doesn't always mean all my customers have green check marks, you know? Yeah. But if I'm like, you know, like let, let's do like color mix, right? Where which we were just talking about, right? Like, uh, oh, it doesn't have it. No, uh, well, not everything. You can't have everything as well. Um, no, yeah, I, I think it's pretty new. Like this is gonna roll out to more stuff. But like relative colors syntax. Oh, that's not no, there. That but, won't uh, be it either. Number format. Nope. Anyway, I guess it's on less stuff than I want. Yeah, uh, it's not on a ton of stuff yet. I was doing the same thing you were, looking around at pages to try to find examples of its usage. I want to find one that does not have like a cross compatibility. That says that it's yeah. there's big X's on it. Yeah, do, do they do they make the background of it a special color? The, the reason I brought it up is really for view tra- the view transitions API is not cross-browser compatible. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good. Right? It's Chrome only. Uh, for a long time, it was just a flag in Chrome, but it has now shipped to stable Chrome. Like you, you basic view transitions usage will even work in Arc, you know, and Arc's at most updates once a week. So mm-hmm. it's not definitely one to one to to Chrome. Um, and then it also depends on them updating their their thing too, right? Their it's not engine, like they do yeah. every single week. Uh, I don't think so anyway. Yeah. I anyway, know basic view transition stuff will work in in Chrome browsers right now, but only them. Nobody else has picked it up. So pretty. And the thing that dropped was document.startViewTransition. Excellent API. Very cool. It's so chill to use. It, you know, it can, it can be as simple as a one-liner. Fallbacks for it are pretty easy. The CSS required for it is pretty chill. I have thoughts about it, but it's very cool that it has dropped. Much cooler. Everybody's been saying this from the beginning. I think it's universal agreement. What will be much cooler is when these view transitions work in multi-page situations. You don't even need to call any API. On my Elevity site, my Astro site, I just want your Jekyll site. Buttery bloop bloops. Yeah. Yes, and this has started to drop now. Now this is still behind a flag in, you know. But if you read about it, theoretically, the you know the baseline will will be showing what what what's what's supporting what. Great idea. <laughs> uh, but it it has started to drop. So I have Canary open here, and I've been playing with it um, a bunch. You know, and the the point is, it's even chiller. There's no there's you don't need a JavaScript API for it. You do two things. One of them. You have to use a meta tag. Don't totally understand why, but you have to have a meta tag in the head that says view transition with the content of same origin on it. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. Does anything um, else go in it? It's just meta name view transition. And then content, content equals same origin. Same origin. Okay. You have to have that exactly. Sure. And then that will start them working. Then... The thing, then you do, you have to do the CSS part, which is anything that you want to have a view transition on it needs to have a CSS property attached to it called view transition name. Then you give it a unique name. This is very important. It has to have that and it cannot share that view transition name with any other element on the entire page. Hmm. 
don't love it. A little rough edge for me, I think. I think there's got to be a better way to do that because it makes the dynamic anything then needs to generate dynamic names, and I hate that. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, as long as it has one and then the thing on the page that it's going to has that same view transition name, it will transition from one to the other with animation. So you can control that animation in CSS, but if you don't, it will just cross fade from one to the other. Or that's if it's fine. That's yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Cross fading's okay, but I do. If all you do is, it's smart enough to know that if all you did is change, for for example, like the width or the height or the inline size or or the margin or the padding or something, it is smart enough to kind of tween those properties. So if I have, if I have, if I have. The meta tag, I get crossfade. So now my site's a PowerPoint. Boom, check, done. Next. Meta tag crossfade done, which is all, all you're right. Right there is kind of nice. But if I do, if I add a transition name like uh, fly up or something, I can like fly up my blog post a little bit on click, right? Or like yeah, fade in. We and should fly do up. it on your site. Because I think you have the perfect site because it's relatively uniform. Yeah. I was like, why isn't it auto filling? Oh, it's because I'm in Canary. I just haven't visited DaveRupert.com in Canary yet. You have like mini cards on your homepage that have a title and stuff. That title, I'd probably make that whole, that whole cool black outline thing have the view transition name on it Mm -hmm. and then share that with whatever the wrapper is on the single page that way the the little header and if the if the if the header itself like the h2 or h1 or whatever shares the same view transition name it should tween up oh my god okay yeah. i mean that would be so cool I, I i wonder what the limitations are yet yeah, i feel like i'm talking about it like an expert and i'm really not but the fact that like for example it's bolder on that page, like, will it tween the boldness of the text? I don't think it can do that. Oh, oh, Chris, let's not, let's not. Chrome can do anything. Okay, yeah. <laughs> fair enough. No, this is great. I love this. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to do this today. So when this audio comes out, we'll see how it did. So uh, if you fire up Chrome and pull my side in, uh, yeah, I'm going to see. And with the flag turned on, so you have to go to about colon colon or about colon slash slash flags and then just type in view transition and it's view transition on navigation and there'll be two flags yeah there'll be a multi-page one you gotta flip on have yeah there's a view transition api like just generally uh for javascript i guess the javascript api which i don't think i need but if i have no you don't need it but uh, also i don't know you're in you're in chrome turn in uh Turn on experimental web platform features. So, yeah, like just you might as well in your yeah. canary, right? Also, so. you know, I, I want because I wanted to do it on CodePen, but CodePen only our projects feature, which this will be combined at some point, I promise you. We're working on it. Has, you know, has like the sidebar of files. So if you really yeah, want to experience yeah, yeah. moving from the one page to the next, you got to use projects. But, and this is not our fault as Chrome, like this stuff is so new, it just doesn't work in iframes. That's, yeah, yeah. Wow. Like, I don't know why, but then so you have to build it and then opened up debug mode and it works there. Dude, so but I'm super interested in this. This is cool. Um, yep. I know Nuxt, I, you know, we've been saying if somebody wants to make a million dollars, just 
learn everything there is to know about these APIs, stay on top of it, and build themes. Build themes, buddy. WordPress themes, Nuxt themes, Next themes, Jekyll themes, 11D themes, Astro themes. On uh, on that, uh, <laughs> uh, Nuxt, speaking of Nuxt, well, I use Nuxt, right? So, um, mm-hmm. And they actually, Nuxt 3 has the view transition JavaScript API built in. So... Or like you can use that as your transition. View has a whole transition element kind of wrapper oh, okay. thing. So, and Sarah Drasner did like a demo on CSS Tricks a long time ago. Um, but now that is a uh, part of it. They now have a fork that uses view trans- native view transitions. Uh, yeah, but I was just gonna say because we talked about Nuxt. Nuxt came out with this thing called Nuxt Studio Beta, right? Uh, oh, it's from which, the Nuxt team? From the Nuxt Labs team, yep. Um, oh, cool. And look at it. It is, It's they call it an MDC editor, right? But it is like basically a markdown writer, <laughs> a markdown machine with like a little MDXy kind of thing, right? Uh, but it has, you know, like a file system for content files, like in one index and you know, features, change log about. So like it kind of starts getting into this idea of a visual content management system, which we've been talking about on the show for a long time, but that's my, uh, neat. Anyway, very that's interesting. Good news. I, I don't know. That's a the in- landing page for it is freaking beautiful too. go click that link people. Yeah. And then they have kind of themes, kind of like Astro style themes, you know? So I, of course, um, am immediately very yeah. jealous of it too. It, it looks like somebody like, you know, they, it's Monaco, right? Which is VS code essentially. I like the idea that somebody just grabbed that and made like a, almost like a DSL for a CMS or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, it's like a, it's like a blog machine, like local host blog machine. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I think, and it has like Git branches and stuff too. So like, that's going to be obviously some overhead, but you know, I, I think we're headed to a future where regular employees will have to understand branching and forking and, you know, saving versions and stuff, you know, but, yeah. um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, anyway, that's interesting. Um, yeah. I just wanted to call that out. But Astro, think of this world with Astro themes. Like, mm. Astro's getting very really hot for nice. me on the list, I think, because Fred called me out but on the show. But uh, it's getting, <laughs> if you can do view transitions, and it has page-based routing, and I can run a little bit of fetchy script in the front matter, does it do what I want? And the answer is almost yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I need right. to. Right, right, right. It got called out by. Remember we were talking about the the who's the Svelte guy, Rich Harris's, Rich Harris's latest video was like poking at them because they have like a I think they have a like a proposal. What do they call it? RFC request mm-hmm. for comments? Isn't that what that means? Yeah. When and it's kind of the responsible thing to do when you run a tech project is like we're thinking about doing this. What do you think about it? Yeah. They have one out for a router, like Astro router. I mean, it's almost he poked at it like a joke. Like you know, every every framework lives long enough to build their own router. Essentially, it doesn't. It definitely like undermines what they always said that they were. Right. In a way, it's like this is for content sites, and you don't need that. And page based routing is is the way, kind of. And if it definitely slots Astro into a certain place in my brain and makes me love them for what they are. And if all of a sudden they're like really gunning to be a next replacement too, that's weird, but understandable. Yeah. 
I it's the next is on a friggin' steamroll. Um, they added like a database tool. They added like S3 storage. You know, yeah. Well, just, Vercel did, but that, it's it's easy to com- conflate the two kind of because it really means it's for next. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess technically I do use Vercel products without using Next. So, yeah. Uh, I hosted a PHP site on there once, which is amazing because they don't, they just happen to have a weird adapter that would manage to run PHP as like cloud functions. And I was like, oh, this is great. It's just an old site for an old friend of my dad's. And I was like, I don't want to keep paying for like a Bluehost or, or a Media Temple or something just for this. Like, can I put it on something modern? please and they sure showed enough. up made it work Thanks that's funny Marcel. that's uh, very unexpected for me actually but that's cool uh you know it's funny we're joking the discord uh it's like people have just discovered php in the javascript community <laughs> and are like laravel's hot right now you oh, yeah know? and it's yeah. and which well, is, wait till they find rails it's great <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh and then you know adonis js we've kind of talked about uh, i think on the show before a little bit but you know like maybe it's worth diving into yeah like let's talk about turns laravel. out if you have an actual server it's awesome Server, my love for servers is pretty high right now. So, <laughs> pretty high. Yeah, so pretty much cool. And I'm filling up my logs, and that's crashing my app. Perfect. <laughs> I love <laughs> websites. So, well, God, this is almost like a news show. We managed to talk about accessibility day, multi page transitions, baseline. Pretty, pretty good. I don't know, this feels early to talk about for me, but this isn't like news really, but I, I'm finding it interesting. Like I, I, I got a thing, I got nerd sniped myself essentially about like how many people really block ads. Cause it feels like, yeah, I, I care a little bit about the industry wide numbers, but I care mostly about like, yeah, but what about my sites? You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah is yeah. it like 85% or something? Cause in my brain I'm like, at first, it seems like it probably is. Like who would probably who in their right mind would would browse this internet without an ad blocker? Are you crazy? You yeah. Know? <laughs> uh, yeah. But you know, it turns out there's a relatively easy way to do it. Like if you have a script element, Dave, script in curly braces or whatever, and you just you just need a reference to it in JavaScript. So you either need to like query selector for it in some JavaScript that's definitely going to run before it sees that script element, or more likely you just craft the script element in, you just do a document.create element of that script tag, and it's got a URL of something that is you think may be blocked on your website, like a link to Google's ad servers or something like that. Anything with the word analytics, I've learned. (laughs) Well, think about, you know how image, you know, if you have a reference to an IMG element, the, yeah. and the error will throw on it. Like you can say image.on error yeah, yeah. and then replace it or something. You could do that with scripts too. But the, you know what? The only reason a script will fail is because it's blocked. Like, right. Or like you drove under a bridge and lost internet or something. But those are pretty edge casey compared to it was blocked yeah. by a freaking extension. So like the vast majority of script.on error is ad blockers. So if you want to know how many scripts are blocked on your website, make a script element, point it at the URL of something you think is blocked. And then if 
script.onair report it somewhere that won't be blocked. So like hit your own Redis Cloud instance Flare or key yeah, value. Do a key value store or something. Mm. Did you do it? Are you uh counting? I have and I'm the the data is it's like a little I need to like make a we didn't I just but we'd spun up a little Redis and yeah, but th- so I haven't built the charts yet, but it's looking something like 50, 50 percent. Solid 50. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, it's interesting that they are shipping by default in a lot of browsers, you know, that's, I think changing it too. Yeah. Like brave and whatever. Just, it just has one in there. Now what's interesting to me is so the, I made a mistake in that we use this product called AppQs for a bunch of different things. One of them being um, analytics stuff. You can just send an event to it and I'll track it and it gives you pretty basic um, event style analytics. Mm-hmm. I used it. I was like, oh, when it's blocked, I'll just report it to AppQs. That realized that a lot of ad blockers block them too, even though AppQs is not an ad platform. Isn't it but it is third party JavaScript, you know? Yeah. So yeah. what I learned is that and I, I, it was about 10% maybe got through. Um, hmm. And I was like, oh, only 10% of our users block ads, only to realize that that methodology was wrong because that only captured people that did block something like Google and not block AppQs, which was Hmm. a smaller percentage. Interesting. Right. So you want to make sure that however you're reporting that data is like definitely not blocked, which means you're hitting your own website to track. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Um, what else is on my mind? There's a, your hurdy gurdy post was pretty interesting. What do you think? I, I I really liked the like the like the reason that this I don't know it's somebody that just over engineered the absolute bejesus out of an instrument because of, of pretty basic. Yeah. they're like I don't want to <laughs> learn how to use a bow, so I'm gonna make. <laughs> I'm going to crank a little wheel on a crank that goes, <laughs> it's all, <laughs> and then the guy, and yeah, I can't like, put my fingers in the right places. So I will invent the world's most complicated thing that automatically presses the keys for me or a little <laughs> piano key thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm just going to, it's just going to be five times the size of a regular violin. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that's, that's it's what's going like, to be successful. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's kind of like UX to be damned. Like I'm going to make these UX improvements and then just scuttle them entirely yeah. because of just, how ridiculous it is. But it's going to be so easy. It's the fastest blazing fast. <laughs> yeah. It's a blazing fast app, uh, violin It just platform. really takes the emotion out of the sound it can make too. It's like yeah. really, it's, it made me go from being ambivalent in, or if, if, if I had any thought at all about a hurdy gurdy, just think, Oh, that's nerdy and weird to now. Just like, I hate it. I actually <laughs> researched the hurdy gurdy quite a bit. Okay. Post. I like there's some really good videos on YouTube where somebody plays death metal on a hurdy gurdy, like it, like yeah, you know, yeah, Lincoln okay. Park or something like that. So, or like that's not death metal, but like, but just like it's like it's pretty fun. There's always the exception, right? There's like, an exception. I feel exception, like the ukulele is yeah. classic too. It's designed to be easy. It's designed to just make some very islandy fun vibes. But of course, some people absolutely freaking slay at it, you know. But that's the exception, not the rule. Yeah, they're gonna play like math rock and like be do be do be do be. Anyway, yeah. And make sure to slot in some very awkward hurdy gurdy music if you can find some. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So anyway, hurdy gurdy is yeah. It's it's just it's just interesting how some I see how somebody was like, I'm gonna fix violin playing and I'm gonna add a wheel mm-hmm. <laughs> that it plucks the strings. I'm gonna add a or strums the strings. I guess I'm gonna add piano keys and and I'm gonna fix it. And then like the outcome is something just so opposite of what a violin or a fiddle or whatever they had in ancient times, the ancient times, you know, like it's just the opposite instrument, you know, like I don't, I can't really think of like anything that's like quite like that, you know, it's that just ended up so far from what it is, you know? Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's so many analogies. It's like taking a little too much user feedback too, you know? I listened to the uh, the latest, uh, a big kind of Paul Ford fan yeah. and, his, and his business in, in, uh, partner in crime, uh, Ziadi is his name, I think, and they have a new Ford and Ziadi podcast that's worth a subscribe. I think they're pretty; they're just fun guys to listen to, just because of their like depth of experience in in the, in all this world. They, they're releasing some new product. I think it's called Aboard. Like, I wonder if that's Googleable yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Aboard.io, I think, is the thing. Let me make sure I have that right. So they're talking about launching this week on it and it was like a almost a strong opinion that whatever feedback you get in the first like month or something after releasing a product you should just crumple it up and throw it away in a way because it's too it's like too much people that are too close to you and to it that they're not your real no yeah yet yeah and i feel like that's what the hurdy-gurdy didn't do is it like they just took feedback and be like boeing is hard and they're like yep got it we'll fix it you know they just got the earliest worst feedback and just made the whole product based on that no that's actually like um yeah it's basically that you know and i I don't know it it was in my brain i put it i don't actually hate the hurdy-gurdy but i put it out there as this This idea that I do think we build these monstrosities by accident, you know, we just, we ended up, we end up with all these buttons and all these little yeah. uh, advancements, but they are just pure over-engineering. Uh, <laughs> and so anyway, it's a uh, silly, but dumb. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I had on my mind that, um, yeah, Subgrid is starting to drop. I think in Grid, I think there's, I think even in a Chrome was the, the real holdout on it, mm-hmm, and it's, mm-hmm. I think it's in Canary now, which is pretty cool. But it had me thinking about how like there's these two different circumstances where you have child elements on a parent grid, mm-hmm. and one need is that like man, I wish the children of that of that grid could use the same grid lines as the parent. And but that doesn't doesn't mean there's one way to do that. The subgrid does it one way, which says, "Oh, I see. This element is placed on the grid already, so whatever grid lines like intersect with it, I'll use those. Like you can tell it to like inherit those parent grid lines. That's I think is very cool and useful. And I've had plenty of real world situations where I wanted to use that. But another one is like, despite what's happening in the DOM below the grid. I want like arbitrary children to be able to like participate in the parent grid, not inherit the grid lines, but literally just go anywhere on that grid. I want it to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, I blogged about that today because that's a different thing to do. And the trick there is to then use display contents in order to kind of like wipe out 
some parents. Okay. So that, for example, let's say you had a, a UL that is being placed upon a parent grid. Well, that kind of sucks because all the list children then don't get to participate on that parent grid. They're too deep in the DOM. You've like lost the ability to place them on the grid. And yeah. display sub or subgrid isn't really going to help with that. What mm-hmm. you need to do is target the list parent and say display contents in it and then it's wiped away and all the list items can participate on the grid. And for a long time that was like, yeah, wouldn't that be nice, but display contents wipes out the accessibility of the list. It's no longer a list. It's just gone. And I think that has been fixed in all browsers now. Very slowly got so display contents doesn't explode it. Okay. Good. Yeah, I don't know That's if it's perfect. Have. So don't be like Chris said it's totally fine and you can totally do it no matter what. Chris said it's it fine. depends. I yeah. think it even depends what kind of list it is. You know, I have a I have a similar not similar but a it a, a problem where I'm wondering if access if CSS wipes out accessibility. Um like we have tables in Luro, right? And I want uh-huh. call I want to control the columns, right? Or or let the user draggy, slidey things. But like, I want to control the widths of the columns. Mm-hmm. I've seen people online do it in Flex. Like they set Flex and they do it, but like, you know, and they use basis, I guess, to size it or something like that. But I, I kind of like, could I set a grid at the T row or I set a grid at the table and say, this is the grid for this table, uh-huh. you know, grid template columns, one FR, 200, 200, 200, or something like that, you know? Um, cause I know how many columns there are going to be and stuff like that. I, yeah. I don't know. I just like, I've been, but what I don't know. And then ideally I'd like subgrid that to the table row. And so the table row would, you know, fling its children in the right place. What I don't know is does that wipe out the semantics of a table? If I display a row as grid or something like that, you know? Um, yeah, yes, I think it does. Right. Like, yeah. Or like, but with flex, same thing or no. Cause when I do the accessibility tree in Chrome, like it all looks kind of right. Uh, I don't know what I'm actually looking for. I was just reading so. about this today. And I think, I think the spec says it's not supposed to, I think the display property is not supposed to change the semantics of it, the thing, but too bad it does. Cause that's what yeah. I want. I want the column headers to be red like the, i put those in there you know like yeah um, for a reason um i want people to not feel lost um mm-hmm. but i will tell you i am i don't know i we need new table <laughs> styling then if that if that blows semantics like we need table layout fixed is not enough or you know like we just need a whole new table in html Sortable oh, new table. Sortable tables. Hell yeah. Resizable, sortable, responsive. Yeah. Animatable. Sorry. That's what we need. If 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 like display grid blows up a table, we need a whole new table. Like I wish I had an answer. Why does Dave Rupert making websites for 30 <laughs> years not have an answer to this question? <laughs> it's too <laughs> hard for everybody. Happy global right. accessibility awareness. So what day. actually <laughs> happens is that your brain kind of avoids it, right? You're like, mm, maybe we won't put a other, table there. I, I'm, a, I'm a fast food chef. I got 20 other things going on, Chris. I'm a Waffle House chef. I got people fighting in the lobby. I, I can't like spend seven days to figure out and, and test across 200 ATs. Right. 
does grid explode my table? Like I, I can't, I don't have the capacity to figure that out. So yeah. there have to be better answers. That's my, I know it makes me feel like it's just such a bummer that I can, that there's like these, it almost feels like two different worlds. Like I can make this website and kind of make it look and seem behave like it seems rational. And I want it to me. And then, and then somehow secretly, have destroyed the accessibility of it and have that not just be totally unobvious. And it feels like, oh, that just sucks that that's where we're at. That yeah. You, you, it feels like you have to be an expert in it to know what's wrong. And that's, you know, that there's lots of reasons for that. I don't, I can't explain yeah, I mean, exactly why, but it's just a it's bummer. It's kind of like, oh, I want to build a wall, right? And I want it to be here. And like, you have prevented the door to your house opening. So like, that's like the mistake we're making, right? Like, like, Oh, I didn't think if I built a wall here, I'd stop the door from opening. But like, ideally we know that stuff (laughs) or like there's some intuition to it, you know, like, um, I don't know. I've been really like punting on an issue for like weeks and months. Cause I just was like, I just don't know if it ruins the accessibility. So I don't even want to, apply a fix a style fix because i think like it might be worse for a screen reader but then because what happened if i do the style fix and then we find out it's broken now we have a thousand problems you know so um so then i'm tempted to just use grid in general outside of a table and now i'm now i'm even less happy so (laughs) or or i have to figure out sorting and labeling and all this other stuff a different way you know so yeah, indeed. Uh, I think we did it, Dave. We hit our mark. We did it. Well, that was enough news for the for the day here. So uh, thanks, you, uh, the dear listener, for downloading this and your podcatcher choice. Be sure to start heart favorite up. And that's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter at Chop Talk Show or Mastodon. Uh, and I think Chris and I are on Blue Sky now. I don't know what's going on. And oh, then... Uh, <laughs> But join us in the d- 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 Discord. That's where you can definitely find us. Patreon.com slash Shop Talk Show. Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? Uh, oh, shoptalkshow.com.